about a woman named Elizabeth Zott. She's a chemist in the late 50s, early 1960s in Southern California. And she's fired from her research job for kind of sexist reasons, but also because she was pregnant. As time goes by, she has to make money, so she reluctantly takes a job as a TV cooking show host. But what she doesn't do is really teach cooking. What she does do instead is teach chemistry, because chemistry is cooking, and cooking is chemistry. But in doing so, she ends up revolutionizing the idea of what women should be doing in the home, and she creates quite a stir in the industry, and the nation will never be the same. Welcome to the Friends and Fiction Writer's Block Podcast. Four New York Times bestselling authors, one rock star librarian, and endless stories. Join Mary Kay Andrews, Kristen Harmel, Christy Woodson Harvey, and Patty Callahan Henry, along with Ron Block. As novelists, we are four longtime friends with 70 books between us. And I am Ron Block. Please join us for fascinating author interviews and insider talk about publishing and writing. If you love books and are curious about the writing world, you are in the right place. Welcome to a new episode of the Friends in Fiction Writer's Block Podcast. I am Ron Block, and this week we thought we would try something just a little bit different. One of our episodes from earlier this year was with a debut author who few had heard of. The book and its author, Bonnie Garmus, soon got pushed into the spotlight when her book, Lessons in Chemistry, became the Good Morning America book club pick for April. And it showed up on so many most anticipated lists around the globe. Her characters are richly developed and truly stay with the reader for a long time. Her story is highly original, but it's captured the hearts of readers everywhere. Lessons in Chemistry has become a New York Times bestseller list staple, recently jumping back on at number four. Her book has also been translated into 39, yes, 39 languages, but the recognition certainly don't end there. This book was recently named the Barnes & Noble Book of the Year. It made the list of 100 notable books from the New York Times and Best Books of 2022 from Amazon. And the year-end accolades are just starting to pile in. They're everywhere, including from NPR, Christian Science Monitor, Sunday Times, The Hay Festival, and Waterstones. So congratulations to Bonnie Garmus on all of this incredible success, and congratulations to readers everywhere who got to read this original, memorable, and celebrated novel. We hope you enjoyed this look back at the conversation we had with Bonnie Garmus. Happy listening. Welcome to this week's episode of the Friends in Fiction Writer's Block Podcast. I am Ron Block, and today I am joined by two authors whose work is not only fascinating and thought-provoking, but also hugely entertaining and compelling in their views of fiction featuring women in science. Both are stellar examples of how novels can illuminate their characters and settings and bring joy to the reader. My first guest is Bonnie Garmus, author of the recently released Lessons in Chemistry, which has received 
stellar praise, including a starred review from Kirkus, which is usually very hard to get. They're very selective. <laughs> but, I, but when I review like reviews and thoughts and, and uh, accolades, this one really stood out for me. So this is from the amazing Maggie Shipstead, who said, Lessons in Chemistry is a page-turning and highly satisfying tale. Zippy, zesty, and zotty. I love that. So the book has been sold in 35 territories so far. It's being made into an Apple TV Plus series by none other than Brie Larson. Plus, it has the distinction of being the number one library reads pick for April. Bonnie is a copywriter and creative director who has worked widely in the fields of technology, medicine, and education. She's an open-air swimmer, a rower, and mother to two pretty amazing daughters. Born in California and most recently from Seattle, she currently lives in London with her husband and her dog, 99. Welcome, Bonnie. It's so great to see you again. Oh, Ron, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me. No, I, I cannot wait for people to get their hands on lessons in chemistry. I told you <laughs> from the very beginning how much I love everything oh, about this book. And it's just going to, it's going to enthrall everybody. Thank but you. Before we get going, why don't you just give us the overview, the elevator pitch of what uh, lessons in chemistry is about? All right. Well, it's a, it's about a woman named Elizabeth Zott. She's, she's a chemist in the late fifties, early 1960s in Southern California. And she's fired from her research job for kind of sexist reasons, but also because she was pregnant. As time goes by, she has to make money, so she reluctantly takes a job as a TV cooking show host. But what she doesn't do is really teach cooking. What she does do instead is teach chemistry, because chemistry is cooking, and cooking is chemistry. But in doing so, she ends up revolutionizing the, the idea of what women should be doing in the home. And she creates quite a stir in the industry. And the nation will never be the same. <laughs> That's great. I love it. it will never, and you're right. It will never be the same. <laughs> oh, we kind of wish we really had an Elizabeth Zott in our history, right? Yeah, I kind of do. <laughs> yes. So Elizabeth has a very determined approach to everything in her life, not just science. But what was the, the, the basis for her? Where's the origin of the story? Where did it all come from? Well, Elizabeth Zott had been a minor character in a book that I'd started and shelved years before, but and, and she was very minor in that book. But in this particular book, she made a comeback, and that was because I'd been in a meeting, and there'd been some sort of just sort of average sexism in that meeting, but it was really blatant. And for some reason that day, I couldn't let it go. And when I got back to my desk, instead of working, I wrote the first chapter of Lessons in Chemistry. <sighs> Awesome. <laughs> is she based on people that you knew or is she just kind of this, what you wish people were? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, it, she is my role model. She is a woman of integrity and determination. She bases everything on, on fact and not fiction. You know, she's very, very, to me, she's very interesting, very rational, very logical. So very different from me. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> yeah, she's not based on anyone. That's awesome, though. She's just she's such a memorable character. And I mentioned that Brie Larson is bringing it to Apple TV Plus. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. I cannot wait to see this. <laughs> yeah, me too. It, there's a lot to uh, once you read the book out there, you'll you'll know just what I'm talking about. What about for you personally? What was your road to publication? Because I know you have done some work in the past and this is actually your debut novel. 
Yes, it is. It's my debut novel. I had started one novel and shelved it. Then I did write another novel, but it didn't go anywhere. It was a little it was a little overweight, let's say. It was about 700 pages, and oh. I, it got rejected 98 times. No one wanted to read 700 pages from an unknown author. So I took some advice from an agent who did read the first 5,000 pages and told me she really loved it, but she wasn't about to spend time with an author who didn't realize that she shouldn't be writing a 700 page novel. So Ooh. I decided, yeah, <laughs> it was rough getting that, that advice <laughs> after 700 pages, but I sat down and I, on that day when I was so angry and I wrote the first chapter of lessons in chemistry, because I felt like Elizabeth Zott was sitting there with me at that time. And she said, you know what? I want you to tell my story. And so that's what I did. Yeah, it's been a long time coming. The book took me about five or six years to write. And then, of course, you know, it goes through agents, editors, etc. But here it is. It's finally it's finally here. So I'm thrilled. As you should be, as you should be. Why do you think that it was at this point in your life that it was the right time to have this book come out? Well, I think, you know, actually, any time would have been great for me. But (laughs) But I'll take this time because it allowed me to, I think, you know, part of it is age for me because I can kind of use a lot of ideas and, and experiences that I've had in my life and bring them in with the other characters. Not that they're based on me, but they're based on things that, you know, I've seen in meetings or that people have, have kind of have these personalities. And, you know, again, no one, no one in the book is real. But I think having kind of a broad knowledge of how people react in different situations was really helpful. Yeah. And as a reader, it was great, too, because I thought a lot about your observations and of the, and the nuances of the characters had to be on at least things you've seen in the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, they're all really fun to write. And I, I, I think the most important thing to have for each character, even the, the bad ones, the evil ones, <laughs> is some empathy. And so it's really interesting to explore all these people. And, you know, again, you know, they're not based on anyone. Boy, I'd get in trouble if they were. He'd be able to tell who they were, probably. <laughs> uh, but it's really fun to to try to write from... The book has 10 points of view, and try to write from each of these points of view and make them very distinct as they encounter Elizabeth's off. And that is, I think, one of the... Just the genius parts of the book is how you chose these minor characters and maybe some not so minor to actually give a viewpoint of Elizabeth from a different angle, especially 630, the dog, (laughs) the dog. You talk about your characters and how you constructed their ability to tell Elizabeth's story from their viewpoint. Well, you know, each one came to me fairly organically. When I sat down to write, I, I only knew Elizabeth. I didn't know anyone else. And they slowly just dropped in, to be honest. Um, And they presented themselves, you know, as if, well, hey, I know her too, but here's how I see her. And so that was really interesting. 630, however, um, is the only character in the book who is actually based on a real life being. And that was my dog, Friday. Friday was very, very smart. 
and she had had a, a, a tragic history. She'd been badly abused. And so when we got her, uh, we thought that she was going to be a problem dog, but she wasn't at all. She was a very smart dog. She doesn't, she didn't know as many words as six thirty, but, <laughs> but I, you know, she knew a lot. <laughs> so. Yeah. And mad is, is uh, Elizabeth's daughter and she's, yeah. she adds a lot and she seems to be the, the more down to earth character here who kind of keeps everything level. Yeah. Yeah. She's, she cannot lie. Matt is, is always very honest and she says things that can be, you know, that even hurt her mother. She, she just says things that are true. And so she became sort of the truth teller in the story, but you know, she has a very special relationship with six thirty, And I think personally the way the dog and she communicate, which is not anything that you would actually witness. They don't, they don't talk to each other, but they communicate. And I, I like to think that she gets her wisdom from him. They take really good care of each other. Those two, they really look out for each other. I love it. It's just, it's again, it's like, it it comes across as quirky, but when you think about it, it's just so, so honest and real, their relationship. So it's just so, such a good part of the story. Also the other one, and then the neighbor, and I've, her name is. Oh, the neighbor, Harriet, Harriet. Harriet, Yes, yes. Harriet. Can you talk about Harriet and where that came from? Well, you know, I'm not sure where she came from. I just felt like in the book, you know, it starts out Elizabeth doesn't have any friends. Um, she's she's a real social misfit. And so for her to have a friend is a really big deal. But when she becomes very needy for the first time really in her life, and she doesn't like to need anyone or anything, she needs somebody because she's a single mother with a baby. And Harriet Sloan shows up. They are, they are diametrically opposed. They are complete opposites, but their relationship grows into a very deep one and they find that they need each other. Very much so. And they, they end up dependent on each other. It's just like a beautiful friendship in the end. I want to go back to talk about Elizabeth a little bit because her, she comes across as kind of no nonsense kind Mm -hmm. of, but she's also very logical and she doesn't let a lot in and she says things how they are. So whenever she comes up against her employers or people who, well, for lack of a better term, were anti-women in the workplace and Mm -hmm. anti-women in science, she just says things that are just so logical and make sense. It made me think, why weren't we always in a world like that? Why, you know, I feel so awful for what, what people have gone through for years and they didn't need to. Well, it's really true. You know, I think, and even today, there's still quite a bit of sexism in the workplace. It's, it's definitely gotten better, but I think, you know, there is quite a bit still and uh, women still are held back quite a bit. For instance, there are only 30% of STEM jobs are held by women. That's not 50%. No. It's 30%. And so there are these, this is just true across the world that women are still taking a back seat in some of the most lucrative careers in the world. And so that's something that we all need to, I think, pay attention to. But Elizabeth does always just say what she thinks. And I think that's why people find her refreshing because you know, we would all like everyone. I think we're all kind of tired of fake news and things like that. Yes, but it's it's yes. just kind of nice to have someone actually say things that are based in fact. Right. And she's just so upfront about it and just so clear <laughs> in what she says that they can't do anything but either accept it or shut her down. Like there's <laughs> exactly. no, because she's just a truth teller. And, and yeah. just it's um, 
looking back. So looking back at developing her character and things, are there things that you learned? Well, you know, it's really interesting. I don't, I didn't plot this novel. I don't plan things out. I never have at work either, um, which I know gave some of my employers, you know, fits over the years. But uh, for me, it's really important to allow the piece to kind of open up and I don't really close off any kind of avenues. But Elizabeth taught me a lot of things, you know, that sometimes when I was writing her, I'd say, wow, do you really want to say that? And then she'd say, why wouldn't I say that? It's true. Yes. And I thought, oh, I, I, you know, I loved having her in my head. I loved having conversations with her. Not all of our conversations made it to the page. But I think what she taught me, what she really seemed to bring to the table every time was be yourself. And that is not only enough, that is more than enough. Especially yes. if you show up as an honest person, just be yourself and you will be just fine. That's Excellent advice. Excellent advice. What a great thing to learn. So there's a lot in this, like Elizabeth really has to kind of convey a lot. Like um, and you had to have done a ton of research. I can't imagine like oh. construction and science. <laughs> and um, so can you talk about some of the things that you had to research and how you did that? Sure. I think, you know, I'm not a chemist. I'm not a scientist. So I'm not a single mom. Uh, so I had to research chemistry, but I had to research it from the 1950s. So I bought a 1950s textbook off of eBay and I taught myself very basic chemistry. You know, as a copywriter, I'm used to always learning new things. You know, that, that adage, uh, write what you know. I, I haven't ever written what I know for 30 years. So doing research and figuring out new things, learning new things is actually something that I enjoy. So I did the research on chemistry. I learned basic chemistry. And then I ran into a huge problem because when you write from a textbook of that age and you're trying to make metaphors out of chemical interactions, and you mention this, this, and this, and you find out that one of those interactions wasn't discovered until 1969, you have to throw Oops. it away. <laughs> you know, it's really depressing. But yeah, I had to do the chemistry and man, it was a little bit hard there, hard going at first, but I, I made it through. Yes. Oh, yes, you did. So talk to me about where the idea for adding the cooking show came in. What a great vehicle for Elizabeth to use her background and inspire women. Well, you know, it occurred to me, I really, really wanted to put her on TV because I just knew if there was damage to be done on TV, she would be the one to do it. And um, it, it seemed obvious to me if she was a chemist, the only thing that she could teach would be cooking because cooking really is chemistry. But I love the idea right away that she would have this show and just not, you know, she would just teach chemistry with, in terms of cooking, but it would be very complicated, you know, and she would challenge these women who were dismissed and overlooked, these ha average housewives of the late 50s and early 60s. She would challenge them to learn chemistry. And in that, in that way, she taught them that they were very capable people. They were smart people. And that started a revolution. And I, I think that for me, that was probably some of the most enjoyable writing was her talking to the women directly into the camera from the show and telling them, this is what chemistry is. And these interactions 
are really important, but these interactions happen in your body every day. They happen around the world every day. Change is a constant. And if you're not changing, if you feel like you're stuck, you're not. Oh, that is so inspiring. I really wish there had been a show like this. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> to go back and look at. So another part of the book that just enticed people further, there, there's a, quite a love story. Mm-hmm. There's quite a love story in there. Um, and she, but it's unconventional, unconventional. Mm-hmm. Can you tell me about where that came from? Well, you know, I really wanted to have her enter into some sort of uh, love relationship, which was based not on, you know, the, the, the first attraction was her mind. You know, she's, I made her beautiful on purpose. One, because I wanted her to resemble her father, someone she didn't like. So she has this, this burden of beauty, which comes from someone she very much disrespects. But I really liked the idea of having someone like Calvin Evans recognize her as equal to him. And he is this really important scientist in the world. Everybody knows who Calvin Evans is. And he looks at Elizabeth and he realizes she may be a little bit brighter than he is. And he accepts it and he accepts her. But that's the first thing he notices about her. And that's that's really what I wanted to bring out with that relationship. Yeah, it really is. And, and just their whole uh, dynamic is just so interesting and, and, again, unconventional. But it really worked. It really oh, worked. Thank you. It's really um, such a great thing to read. I also kind of bring it to now. There's the book has been getting so much attention and so many accolades. How does that <laughs> feel? Like, like, did you, in your wildest dreams, expect that? Oh no, no, not at all. This is this whole thing has been a complete shock. And you know, occasionally the rights people will call. Like, I think a couple of weeks ago, they said, "Oh, you're up to 37 ter- territories now." Oh. I said, "Wow." I mean, I didn't even, I didn't know, I didn't know. And, you know, today, even today, there's a mention in the New York Times and the Telegraph is running a, a review. It's, it's, it's shocking. It has not come home to roost fully yet because it doesn't feel like it's possible that everybody likes this book. I just, how is that possible? I don't know, but I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled. I'm worried I'm going to wake up soon and discover I dreamed it all. But uh, in the meantime, I'm having a great dream. Good. Yes. And, and it's so deserved. What is next for you? What are you working on now? Well, I'm working on a new novel, which I'm going to probably punt and not talk about too much. Nope, uh, because no worries. <laughs> I'm, I have trouble describing it. I have enough trouble describing lessons in chemistry. So I kind of back off describing this one, but I'm excited about it. I'm really excited about it. And I'm really enjoying being in these new heads and listening to what, listening to the arguments people are having. Yes. All I needed to hear was that you were actually working on something new because I think you bring a fresh voice to fiction. I think you bring a a fresh voice to women in fiction. And I think that it's really is a lesson in chemistry. (laughs) (laughs) So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here and for joining me. I, you know, I, I love the book and I think it's going to be huge and I can't wait to hear what people think about it. Oh, thank you so much, Ron. I was so, so happy when you called. So, or, you know, we got the email. Really wanted to be on this podcast. I really appreciate it. Yes, I could do this for days, but congratulations <laughs> on all the success. <laughs> thank you so much. 
Thank you for tuning in to the Friends in Fiction Writer's Block Podcast. Please be sure to subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast platform. Tune in every Friday for another episode. And you can also join us every week on Facebook or YouTube, where our live Friends and Fiction show airs at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We are so glad you're here. Produced by Autovita Studios. Connect your voice to the world.